You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. Welcome and thank you for joining me. I created this podcast along with everything I do at yourparentingmentor.com to support and inspire you to be the best parent you can be. I know for a fact and from experience that parenting was never meant to be done alone. From conception to preschool, my mission is to give you the tools, strategies, and knowledge to embrace and elevate your parenting experience. I'm dedicated to supporting, inspiring, and guiding you to nurture your child's immense potential with as much joy and ease as humanly possible. Make sure to take time to check out all of the resources I have gathered for you in the show notes, as well as on my website, yourparentingmentor.com. And be sure to get on my email list so you do not miss a single episode and other products and events I curate specifically for you. And please do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, concerns, or feedback. A warm welcome to you and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. And today I have Sarah Olsher with us from uh, Mighty, oh my goodness, Mighty and Bright, Mighty and Bright, which I love the the name of this uh, website and the work that Sarah is doing. So Sarah, thank you so much for being with us today to share a little bit about all that you're doing in the parenting realm. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So to get us started, I would love for you to define what the art of parenting means to you. I think I think it is that there are no real rules <laughs> and um, you, you're flying by the seat of your pants a lot of the time. So you have to... <laughs> You have to be willing to get creative and make mistakes and make beauty out of, you know, all of the mess ups that you make. Yes, definitely a creative process. Uh, yes, beautiful. Thank you. So before we get started uh, into our conversation, I'd love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about um, you, your background and how you came to do the work that you're doing today. Sure. Yeah. So my background is oddly in psychology and illustration. And so those two skills really helped me a lot when I went through a divorce when my daughter was 18 months old and she was really struggling. And I was trying to figure out how to help her because I had only studied adults. And so I went to find a therapist that would work with a two-year-old. And I just learned so much about child development that I went down a just like crazy rabbit hole learning all about kids and how, you know, developmentally they learn and what to do when they're really struggling with a big change such as divorce. And I ended up using my illustration background to create an illustrated calendar so that my daughter could see when she would see me and when she would see her dad. And it really just transformed her anxiety. And I, it was the first time I'd really used a tool that just I can, would consider a game changer. And then I ended up um, creating different types of calendars because a few years later I was diagnosed with breast cancer and had to figure out how to explain that to my daughter. 
And now I have nine children's books and a bunch of different kinds of visual charts uh, that help kids who are dealing with big changes like divorce and cancer and, you know, an autism diagnosis or all kinds of things like that, but also just, you know, day-to-day changes because kids, I mean, adults too, just struggle with that. Right, right. And I love the fact that, you know, you say that this, like this calendar helped her with her anxiety because it's it's just knowing what what is ahead of us, right? That predictability is so important. Absolutely. And I think a lot of us forget that about kids because so many so much of our time is spent just like planning our lives and we think we have the responsibility as adults and so the kids don't necessarily need to worry about it but it is anxiety provoking not to know what is happening every day which is how kids end up asking a thousand questions a day when is dinner when is this when is that when's my play date and having all of that visually displayed for kids relieves their anxiety and it reduces the parent stress because you're not having to answer a thousand questions a day, which is always nice. <laughs> yeah. And I love that because I know for, for me, like the parents that I work with, when they're struggling with a routine of, you know, any type, it's often the answer is often like make a visual kind of plan of it so that they know what to expect. And so this sounds very uh, similar. Yes, absolutely. And I I have daily charts as well um, that will help give structure, just like you're talking about, to the day. And then there's weekly calendars so that they can kind of put their lives into perspective with the, the whole week. Wonderful. And so if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about, you know, you said that you learned a lot uh, from going through this process, from working with a therapist and everything. What were some of the big kind of ahas that you had um, going through that process and kind of going, oh my gosh, that, that makes total sense, right? Because I think we, like like you said, you know, you you had been taught to work with adults, but we we are not really taught to work with children's mental development and so forth. Yeah, I think for me at that time, the biggest game changer for me was really realizing that, you know, I thought my daughter didn't really speak that much because she was a year and a half old. And so I think I made the mistake, like many parents do, of thinking that just because she can't express herself that well, you know, that means she can't understand that much. And and what I learned was that kids understand way more than we give them credit for, even when they are pre-readers or pre-verbal. And so figuring out how to explain things to them is really important. You know, I had skipped over that because I figured she was basically a baby. But if I had said to her, you know, we live in this house and you see mommy and daddy every day and now where things are going to change. So daddy is going to live in a different house and you're going to see daddy some days and you're going to see mommy some days, you know, even starting that conversation, she could have, she could have absorbed some of that. And so I, I started that a little bit later than I probably should have. 
And then the other experience uh, that I had was uh, just learning that she really needed her feelings validated more than I was doing, again, because I didn't really realize how much she understood. And so validating, you know, oh, yeah, that that is scary. You're feeling scared and trying to give words to her experience and then comforting her. I didn't realize was so important, you know, and that was really fascinating to me. Yeah, and it it is fascinating because I mean newborns. You know, I I I encourage you to be talking to your newborn and and letting them know what you're doing, where they're going, like when they come home to give them a tour of the house. You know, things like that because they do. They are soaking up so much, yeah, and she was amazing. probably. It is. It is like when you really go, like you say, down that rabbit hole. It is fascinating. Being able to, even if they're they're preverbals, if they're not expressing like us, you know, sharing with them what is going on, and then validating their feelings is is so important. Thank you for that. Any any like myth that you might have kind of debunked through that process as well, like things that you maybe you you thought of children or thought of the or or maybe just of your parenting experience that you were able to to also figure out during that process? I think it was mainly that I thought she wasn't didn't really understand as much as she did. And just the importance of explaining what is going on in it what a developmentally appropriate way of doing that is because especially when you're going through a divorce, everyone keeps saying, well, put the children first, put the children first, but they never actually said what that looks like. Um, and basically, you know, I was thinking, okay, well that probably just means, you know, don't, don't talk trash about your co-parent because that's not good. Um, and don't fight in front of the kids, but it really is thinking about the kid's experience and trying to put yourself in their shoes um, and what that experience is. Because the truth is that grief happens when anything is taken away without your consent. And change is grief for kids. So it doesn't matter whether they are going through a major change like divorce or it's something smaller where it's like okay, we're changing classrooms at school or it's a new school year. You know, there's grief that kids have in having to let go of the familiar and move into something new. So I I just um I think that that's a really powerful thing to be able to do. Definitely. And, and, and what you say about grief is so important. And, and just the fact that grief also comes to us in, in waves, right? There's, and to be, if, if we're honoring that or honoring that feeling, then we can ride the waves and, and be okay with grief as, you know, as hard as that might be. Um, so when you when you said that you're uh, you've authored nine books, are these books also like specific on certain situations that uh, children are having to deal with, and and does that help them process all of that? What, what's that all about? Yeah, uh, so some of them are specific to certain situations. The first book that I wrote was about uh, cancer when someone you love has cancer because. Uh, when I was diagnosed, I tried to find a book to explain the science of cancer to me and really 
did not like anything that I found. Uh, so I, that was my first book. And then I was requested by a children's hospital to write one for children with cancer. And then by another hospital to write one for the siblings of children with cancer. Um, and so those are used in hospitals all over the United States. And then um, after that, I realized, you know, there's there needs to be something about divorce as well, because a lot of these books are explaining the concept, but they're not really explaining how it affects the child's day to day. And from a developmental point of view, kids, the whole world revolves around them. And so they want to understand what's going on and they want, but they also want to know how, like, how does this affect me? So all of my books uh, incorporate a calendar in it and just explain, you know, this is what's happening. And that means that your days will look like this now instead of this. And so that way kids can kind of incorporate this like abstract concept into something more concrete that they can really understand. Uh, and so those are the kind of situational books. And then I have a book called Nothing Stays the Same, but that's okay. And that one's all about change and coping with changes, big and small, and what overwhelm feels like and kind of introduces the concepts of, you know, coping skills and how they can help. And then the rest of the books are about uh, emotional intelligence and learning how to identify emotions, how to understand them, like what the nervous system is and how it works and you know, how to cope with this, these uh, big feelings. And it's all kind of in a fun, like, cute, easy to understand way. And I'm finding that a lot of parents are learning right alongside their kids, uh, which is very cool, because these are things that we weren't taught as children. And so I think a lot of parents are in a position where they feel like they recognize how important it is that their kids can cope with stress, but they don't know how to teach it. And so my whole goal with Mighty and Bright is really to put a structure in place where parents can take, um, you know, these goals that they have for, you know, thoughtfully guiding their kids uh, emotionally through their lives and giving them coping skills but really make it easy so they're not having to read really like thick parenting books and trying to like navigate a very complex situation. And and thank you for that. I mean, for, for one is, you know, what I'm hearing is that you really created something that you needed because you didn't, you didn't find the books that you wanted to be reading to your child. And then just also for me, the whole idea, like if you are explaining to a child what is actually going on, I think it takes away that sentiment that I think a lot of children have of, I must have done something wrong, right? Especially in divorce. Uh, I know that that's, I'm, I'm, I'm the product of a, of a divorced uh, parents. I was four, but, um, you know, I think, I think children go through that. Like I, I must've done, you know, it must be my fault that, that this family is being broken up. So I think if you understand exactly like what is going on, it probably takes a lot of that away from them. So yeah, thank absolutely. you for that. Yeah. If, if you don't, I think there, my big passion at this point, because after when you're 34 and you're diagnosed with cancer, uh, it is really upends your entire life. And I, I have 
talked to so many other young cancer survivors who have kids, and they're really worried about having this difficult conversation with their kids and trying to explain to them what's going on. But the truth is that if you don't explain what's going on, the story that your kids are going to come up with because they are perceptive and will know something is wrong, the story almost always is like you were saying, blaming themselves, like something bad has happened and it must be my fault or they would have talked to me about it. Mm -hmm. We don't Mm -hmm. want that. We don't want our kids thinking that. Right, right. And and it's interesting you say that because I, I was just having a conversation with another guest about how important it is to talk about, you know, hard situations with our kids. Like I think we've been taught that, you know, they shouldn't be involved or they're too young to to know or all this. But like you say, they're 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 feeling it. They know something's going on. So it's actually makes them feel a lot safer to know exactly what is going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And also what's interesting to me is that, you know, you're saying that the parents are, are really thankful to have tools to be able to kind of teach these different things to our children. And I think, I mean, I don't know for you, but probably our parents didn't do that great of a job with us, right? Like that's not how we were raised. So I think we're, we're, you're, you're part of that parenting evolution. Yeah. They didn't have the same resources that we did. They didn't even have the research. And I think that's both a, that is a blessing more than it is a curse for sure, because at least we, now we know, you know, how we can positively impact our kids, but also it comes with a lot of confusion and a lot of pressure because it feels like it's coming at you from all avenues. Like you're not doing this right. You're not doing this right. Or you thought you were doing that right, but now you're not doing that right. So it's a lot of pressure as a parent and it's just, it's a difficult time to be a parent, but the goal is to make it easier because it doesn't have to be that complicated. No, it doesn't have to be complicated or or hard. And it's interesting you're you're saying how, you know, it it sounds like the advice you've heard in the past was more negative if from what I'm understanding? No, I think it's just the pressure from social media, from all that. You know, my parents, I was raised uh, on the edge of a canyon and I spent pretty much all day, every day outside and I, you know, just exploring, um, having my imagination. Without that time, I would not be who I am today. And I don't know anyone who feels comfortable in my age group letting their kids spend 10 hours a day out where they don't know where they are. And, you know, we have to interact with our kids. We know now how important the parent-child relationship is. And in some ways, that turns into a whole heck of a lot of responsibility that we don't necessarily know how to do right, so to speak. So the more you go down the research rabbit hole, sometimes the more overwhelmed as a parent you feel. Yeah, no, I hear you on that one. And and just, you know, what you're saying about being able to just have free time to just free play and your parents don't necessarily know where you are. And it's funny when you were saying that, it, it reminded me, I had a 
a brother. I, ha- I have a brother that's 12 years younger. And I remember so well, like he would go off and we were, we were like back up to this alley and he would go and play with the neighborhood kids. And my mom would just have like this bell <laughs> that she would ring, you know, and it was dinner time and that was it. Like he was, you know, free to go or, or was, you know, by himself in the backyard talking to all his imaginary friends. And it's true that that, you know, for me, that's a big issue in today's society is to not let our children just be children, be bored, just do whatever, right? We're, we're constantly feeling we have to entertain them. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes that means putting devices in their hands, which have no place to be, but that's a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Yes. And anything else that you would like to kind of share with us about kind of your discoveries as you've been working with parents, as you've been, you know, doing your research, creating this books, any, and any other like misconceptions or ahas that you have uh, discovered along the way? Well, I think the thing that was the most frustrating to me was right around the pandemic, because uh, right when the kids started going back to school, I went to my daughter's elementary school principal, and I asked him what they were planning on doing to help teach kids how to cope with everything that had happened, because the United States government had given, you know, all of these different, uh, you know, they'd given money to the schools to help deal with this. And he didn't have an answer for me. He literally started like stuttering and said, you know, we might hire another therapist and and ran away from me. And so I thought at that time, okay, I need to do something to help teachers teach this more easily. And I was so wrong. You know, I I created this whole um, lesson plan so the parents could use, or I mean, so the teachers could use uh, one of my books to teach emotional intelligence and coping and all of this in an afternoon, not realizing how completely overwhelmed teachers were going to be that year and how, you know, kids were super far behind academically. They were really struggling socially. And at that point, I really realized you know, parents want to teach this stuff, but we don't have kind of a framework for how to do it. Um, And then I started thinking, well, what is it exactly that helps kids like have positive mental health? Like, have we studied that? And it turns out that science already figured it out. They figured out what all the protective factors are for kids' mental health. And there just wasn't anything out there that helped parents to implement those protective factors. And so I assembled a whole advisory board. I worked with a child development expert and we created an entire basically subscription line where every month parents would get some fun tools to help teach a certain protective factor And what it ended up being was almost a year worth of content in these little booklets that would just distill everything that you needed to know from different parenting books, different research into something that was easy to digest so that they could, you know, start by teaching their kids how to have open communication. So we've got really cool, like, conversation cards where you're starting to get to know each other and this little magnet that they can bring you when they have something that they're kind of nervous to tell you and they don't want you to get mad. 
And then, you know, there's also, I, I went viral on TikTok with this actually, um, these special time cards that help it parents play with their kids in a way that is sustainable for everybody. So they're color-coded cards so that if a parent is exhausted, they can have their kids choose from, you know, four of the chill cards uh, and still spend that, you know, 15, 20 minutes of uninterrupted time together. And it really has been a great uh, resource for a lot of different families to be able to consciously teach these sorts of mental health skills that we all know are now absolutely vital. Like you cannot get through life today without having some coping skills. And so to be able to teach those things to your kids is really, uh, you know, we've tried to make it as easy as humanly possible. Beautiful. And, and I'm, I'm seeing the special time card. They do look um, wonderful. And what a, what a great idea, because it's true, you know, we're, we're told that special time with our children is important, but okay, so what do I do? And I'm exhausted and all that. So that's great. That's great to be able to pick from the deck and, and, you know, be able to, to have that time. One thing that you, you talked about, you, you mentioned several times protective factors, of mental health. Can you can you explain a little bit more what those are and what what that actually means? Yeah. So essentially, when we look at uh, you know mental health crises in kids, and you know the statistics are really quite scary um, as far as you know ER visits for kids that are you know really struggling with things um, and you know, suicidal and how much that was rising even before COVID. And so researchers went out and figured out basically what are the things that are risk factors for kids' mental health, but what specifically are protective factors? So these are things like families having clear structure and predictability, being able to self-regulate emotionally, having supportive family relationships, learning how to cope and have problem solving skills, which is a really hard one to teach kids, um, intellectual development. So like that's, you know, school and physical and psychological safety, having a strong community, all of these things are shown to help keep kids from mental health crises. Okay. Okay. So that, that makes sense. It's all the, the positive aspects that we're trying to give our children as we're raising them. And and it's interesting. You said it's hard for, for children to have problem solving uh, skills. I think it's sometimes it's hard for adults too, right? It's not, it's not something that we're, we're always taught in a very good no, way. So, not at all. Yeah. And and that is really what our goal is with the subscription. It's called the Raising Resilience Program is to teach parents and kids together because these are not things that we were taught and there's still things that are not being taught. And so how can we learn together? Because the truth is you only have to be one step ahead of your kids in order to influence them. And, you know, because you're an adult, you're already one step ahead. So if you guys can learn together, it really can make a whole difference in the family. You create a common language. So whether you're talking about, you know, a bully at school or their first heartbreak, 
you have this language that you can use together to, you know, get through it. It's really important. Beautiful, beautiful. What great work. Thank you for, for doing this. It's really wonderful. Yeah. So so as, as we wrap up, I always like to kind of circle back to just you as a, as a parent. Now, you mentioned you have one daughter. Um, how, how old is she, may I ask? She is 12 now, which is unreal to me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You're, you're, you're entering a whole other uh, world of parenting. Um, so, so if you were to think back to 13 years ago when you were expecting her, what wise words would you tell yourself knowing all that you know today? I think the number one piece of advice for any parent at any stage is to learn how to regulate your own emotions because your kids are going to push every single button you have and find new ones. And if you understand how to calm yourself down and be able to respond in a more measured way, it will do nothing but serve you. And, you know, beyond that, none of us is perfect. And so being able to just recognize that and apologize when you were not able to respond in the way that you wanted to, um, that teaches your kids, you know, that you don't have to be perfect to be awesome. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, and any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with today? I think just if you're going through something tough and you need help, ask for it because there's a whole community out here um, that is dealing with difficult things and you don't have to go through it by yourself. Beautiful and so true. We're, we, we've got your back. So thank you for that. Um, well, Sarah, this has been delightful. Thank you so much for making the time to be on The Art of Parenting today. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Art of Parenting podcast. And if you did, please share it with your loved ones and make sure to leave a review so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.